Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do i use on my racket i use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at cracked rackets you know i'm a hairy guy as you can imagine i sweat when i play the only grip that works for me is the turn of tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turn of grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you'll get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the John Jetty Podcast. We're obviously going here going to uh, going to discuss the, the five events that happened. It's going to be longish again. But first, we have one guy who broke the top 100 this week, even though he didn't do that in the Challenger. Yeah, it feels like it's been a long time coming. Daniel Elahi Galan is now a top 100 player, uh, breaking through after qualifying and reaching the second round in Hamburg, uh, beating Niklas Bonadio qualifying then beating Korea in the main draw before losing to Karatsev in three sets. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey for Galad. He he was uh, somebody that, that that's, you know, a very good player, but we sort of feel like he's been kind of struggling on the on the challenger tour these past couple of months, uh, probably since since Heilbronn. He, he hasn't really had a good result, taking losses like to, to Arnaboldi in Parma or, or Braunschweig. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, how, how do you feel about him finally breaking through? Yeah, it seemed like a, it was a bit of a mental block for sure. Uh, since October 2020, I think he's, he had been ranked between 133 and 102, but never getting there. But I think he's actually pretty likely to stay. In 2021, he just had an awful second part of the season. I honestly didn't realize how bad it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And like there was one challenger quarterfinal in Guayaquil or something like that. Yeah, Guayaquil. And the rest was just first or second round exits. But he's actually one yeah. of the guys who already have a lot of major experience. Like we, we 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 see we see someone like Pedro Kachin who got to the top 100 challengers solely. And we're kind of, you know, we kind of don't know how he will do at the higher level. Galan, we already have the, you know, some sort of a sample size that that he will probably fare very well in in major events. I don't know if he's going to win it, win them, or I don't know if he's going to make finals in them. But he's certainly capable of of quarters of 
uh, of simply winning rounds in, in ATP events. And yeah, second part of the year, he's just going to be adding points to his resume. So probably going to rise a lot. All right. Uh, I think we can go to the challengers that we had this week. Uh, let's start in Trieste, where Francesco Passaro got us both a point beating Zhijiang Zhang 4-6, 6-3, 6-3 to finally win his first challenger title. It's not been a long time coming, but he's definitely deserved it with, with all of the tough finals losses that he's had. He moved number 144, breaking the top 150 for the first time in his career. Uh, as for his run... He began by beating Nikola Milojevic in straight sets, uh, 7-5-6-1, tough, tougher first set, once again, easier second set. It was the same against Mattia Bellucci in the second round, 7-6-6-1. Then he uh, had a bit more of a challenge against Gombos, dropping his first set, 2-6-2 uh, in, in, the, in the third. Uh, in the semifinals, he, he, it was a very easy win over Francesco Maestrelli, 6-1-6-2, and then 6-3 in the third for the final. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Passaro? Yeah, the poor guy again had to face the top seed, although this time not, not in the final. <laughs> but he beat, he beat him, of course. He was actually the, the favorite, I think, against Gombos, which just shows how much Passaro has, how much respect Passaro has gotten. It, it is yeah. pretty wild that at the beginning of the year, I feel like if we were, were to make a top 10 Italian prospects list, like not, not counting guys like Sinner Musetti, uh, who have already broken through, we'd probably not put Passaro in there. And right it's now, possible, yeah. he's just at the top of the list, probably. Uh, I, I really like mm -hmm. how these, uh, he's got these two backgrounds, you know, starting out as a grinder, then adding that superb power. And I think that could really help him uh, in the future when he can just get the shot selection right more often. Maestrelli was, was just really you know, on his last legs in the semi. I'd actually be very excited to see their match when they're both fully ready and fully fit for that. Although I still suspect that Passaro is the favorite. Maestrelli is like two years younger though. And, and Zhang, yeah, another very tough final opponent. It really wasn't easy for Passaro, but this was the first time when he was the, was the favorite in the final. Not, in, not like in these matches against Coria, Musetti and Drune, which honestly he could have won all three if not for some uh, slight mental issues. Uh, yeah, and as for Zhijin Zhang, he had to start all the way back in qualifying uh, in this event, uh, but he went on to reach his fourth challenger final anyway, moves up 48 spots, number 191, uh, so he's back in the top 200 for the first time since August last season. Uh, just to go through his run, he ripped through qualifying very easily, beating uh, Pampanin and Ben Shetri, uh, dropping just four games across those two matches. Uh, then he was looking very strong in the main draw as well, uh, beating Jekinato 6-3, 6-2 in the first round. Uh, then a bit of a more challenge against Miljanin Alves, uh, dropping the first set 2-6, but winning 2-6, 6-3, 6-3. Semis, Alexander Muller once again, 6-3, 6-2. Uh, and yeah, to me, it, it was definitely sort of even going into the final, uh, even though I was obviously cheering on Passaro so we could get our points. Um, but yeah, just, just how like, like just how huge has this year been for Zhang? Yeah, maybe not the year, but the past three weeks. 
this is yeah, this is especially. really uh yeah th- this is really a sudden change in his game he's he was still absolutely ball bashing all the way through the week interest he's just trying to finish every point and uh, on the second or third stroke i'm definitely not saying that every player should do that and that's the key to improve <laughs> but for jiren zhang it seems like it is i mean the the, the form that he showed in braunschweig udenscheid and and Trieste, uh, he, he he hasn't won a challenger title, but I mean, two finals and the semi is pretty huge for a guy who only had two challenger titles in 2019, but both of them in China and never really did much on clay at challenger level. I mean, maybe never really did much to stretch, but just, just didn't, you know, wasn't really close to winning titles or anything. He had some semis. Uh, so this is just insane, and if he if he keeps improving, he's gonna be in the three way race to you know, for for China's first <laughs> top one hundred player. But I think there's uh, there's another guy that should probably be first there. But still, Zhang uh, Zhang is really looking like a, like a guy who, if he keeps up this form, can absolutely break the top one hundred this year. But I, I just don't know if it's you know with such a sudden change of uh of game plan i wonder if it's maintainable but it's also great to see that the martyr loss in braunschweig where he missed eight match points just didn't derail him in any point he came to trieste having that same sort of belief in his strokes and when he does he's just super dangerous yeah i mean it will be fascinating to watch uh Zhang and and we being these next couple of years uh, I feel like they both have the potential to become sort of the the biggest uh, men's Chinese players that they, that we've ever had. Really, Zhang is probably uh, already the the biggest. Yeah, I mean, Zhang is already the highest ever ranked yeah. Chinese Chinese man. Uh, but yeah, I, I we will talk about Yi being Wu later. But I, he he's just incredible as well. Uh, to talk about our semifinals here in Trieste, let's start with Maestrelli, who has had an absolutely insane month, uh, a, a quarterfinal in Todi, then the title in Verona out of qualifying, and then the semifinal here. They've taken him for 206. Uh, so we will see him now in slam qualifying. We will see him in, in a lot more main draws. Uh, so it's been an absolutely incredible time for him. As for Trieste, uh, he beat uh, Cepelio, then in the second round he beat Rodriguez Taverna in the quarters, Caruso 6-3, 6-3, before it seemed like he's, I, don't, I guess, ran out of steam uh, by the time he faced Passat the semis. Um, but yeah, what did you think of him this week and just sort of this this month overall? Yeah, he's played a lot of tennis, that's for sure, ever since uh, Trois, which is a little less than a month at this point. I think he played uh 20 matches so so yeah that's that's a pretty big workload and i think we saw that in the passado semi but still the, the backhand was firing all week maybe maybe not in the in the semi-final but still quality wins against Rodriguez Taverna, Caruso even Cepialev is recently getting some some decent results and can definitely be quite unpleasant to face with the grinding uh Maestrelli I mean it's also worth mentioning that he's well he's still 19 so he's quite a bit of quite a bit ahead and at least in terms of the age on guys like Arnaldi Passaro uh so you know the, the progress is happening earlier for him I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing I guess everyone has his own individual uh way in terms of how they how they get through the rankings he's also like 
got a pretty serious case of potentially making the next-gen finals, as a lot yeah. of Italians do. I mean, Passaro, if he keeps up this form, he's basically a lock. Some Obviously, I imagine that Alcaraz will not be playing it. There's also the Italian wildcard, of course, so... Uh, so one of the guys who also get there, it's it's just insane how many Italians are in the in the top thirty of the next gen uh, next gen race because it's currently, if I'm counting this right, because there's really a lot of them. It's currently ten, eleven, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, <well>. over <laughs> one third because Mattia Bellucci has just made it there with his with his run in uh, mm-hmm. in Trieste, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, this is the first time I'm looking at it this this year, and yeah, you certainly was at the obviously in there. We'll see if they play, uh, but then you have this stretch from nine to fourteen when you have Passaro, Nardi, Koboli, Maestrelli, and Darderi. Stricker is in there in between them, but they're all next to each other, which is which is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, as for our other semifinalists, it was Alexander Muller who beat Pellegrino, Neumayer, and Agamenone in the quarters. Uh, it was his third semifinal of the season, sixth quarterfinal of the season. Uh, yeah, how, how do you sort of see uh, Muller's run here and, and what do you think of him this season? Yeah, he won that 200 title and just seems to be playing a little bit more freely since then. Obviously, the, the, the style is... Well, not my favorite to watch, but I admire it, you know, how it's effective. And honestly, he just didn't really have much of a chance against Zhang and Passaro playing like that. Uh, but was definitely, you know, just, just solid enough to make the semis. One more thing, I guess, about the, the ATP race, which I'm now looking at. It, it also really kind of gains gives you some perspective on how good guys like Passaro have been because he's ninth and Nakashima is eighth. And I mean, Nakashima yeah. in the last two months, he's made a number of main tour runs. Obviously he would have been much higher if, if, if Wimbledon had points, but it's still like pretty crazy to see Nakashima and Passaro ranked almost next, I mean, next to each other, but almost next to each other in terms of the points, only 44, no, sorry, 34 points separating them. So, I mean, Senk has a lot more points than Nakashima and he's, only won them in challengers really because he, he mm-hmm. hasn't won a main tour match yet. So really some of these youngsters yeah. who whom we whom we are watching in challengers, uh you don't you sometimes don't realize how much how many points they've actually amassed already. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I I, I wasn't surprised to see it, but Passaro uh in I've, after this week is number seven in the in the challenger tour race. I just want mm-hmm. to mention that real quick. Uh, he, he's above guys like Munar. He's already earned 332 points out of out of challenges this season, which is which is pretty insane. Uh, yeah, is there anybody else you want to talk about in Trieste in the singles? Probably not. Um, one one result that I'm just seeing right now, and I already forgot that it was this week when Fatih beat Magar six three six zero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I I just can't with Januka Magar anymore. I mean. 95% of the time he's just not showing any effort on the court. He he can be fun when he's on, of course. I mean, he, he's got this attacking play game, which is pretty unique, I suppose. But I mean the, the last three three or four months, he's just unwatchable, basically. Yeah, he, he basically looking at his season, he he hit the title in Gran Canaria, then three straight losses, including a retirement. Uh, they had the semi-final time on, and since then it's been tragic. That was three straight yeah. losses after that, including to Pedro Araujo, <laughs> a retirement in Estoril. 
then quarters of Vicenza, and since then it was, I think, six straight losses. Maybe, maybe yeah. seven. No, actually. five. Sorry, yeah. five. Because there's also Bund ah, sorry, six. Yeah, six. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Um, yeah. Just. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> never. Yeah, the, the, the guy is absolutely all over the place. I mean, we, we also had Andrea Seppi uh, come in here and mm -hmm. win two games against uh, Bellucci, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was his first. Well, no, he he actually retired. This is weird. So so he won two games against uh, Bellucci. Then went to Uma qualifying where he beat Kuboli, but then gave a walkover in the in the next round. Yeah. So so I do wonder what's going on with him. I'll have to look into that. Uh, as for the doubles in Trieste, I just wanted to quickly give a shout out to Lukas Kubot and Shimon Valkov, who made the semifinals, uh, doing good on their wild card. The, the wins were, you know, decent. Falaerti Ebens are. Falaerti Ebens is a very good win, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but our final and our champions were Diego Hidalgo and Cristian Rodriguez, as they have been oftentimes this season. They're back to number one in the challenger race, uh, their fifth title, their 11th final this season. Uh, these guys are just going insane. Uh, they're they're both now in the top one hundred, or, or they were even going into the week. Uh, so yeah, it's clearly working for them. But I I have no idea where this has where this has sort of come from uh, for them. But it's a, it's a great season, forty five and fourteen this year. Wow! Uh, and they beat uh, Bortolotti and Martos Gornes, who have also been. Uh, sort of decent, got, got two finals runs, but not been sort of reaching the those latter stages that consistently. They're they're nine on nine, nine on nine on the season. Yeah, definitely very solid pairing as well. I was I was quite surprised to see that Kubot and Valkov were were the favorites against Portolotti and Martos Gomez, Martos Gornes, because honestly, I just think of of the Italian and the Spaniard much higher right now than than I think of Kubot. I'm sorry, but. Yeah, it's just the, the reality. He's really struggling. Man, yeah. Uh, right, let's go over to Pozo Blanco, where Constantin beat Gregor Barrer 6-love, seven, 7-6 seven, to win his fifth challenger title, uh, his second title of the season, his fifth semifinal in 2022, and he's now number six in the race. Uh, he's also top 100, nine points away now. As he moves up, as he moves up to number one hundred and five, uh, that's from one hundred and nineteen that he was starting the week. Uh, yeah, his his best ranking in his career, very sort of dominant run really, uh, beating Moria six one six four, Sebojwild six one six four, Escoffier six one six one, and Masur in the semis six four six three. Didn't drop a single set, and then he had Barrer in the final. Who this was their tenth meeting. Uh, and they've gone five and five, which is they, they've been playing each other since forever, it seems. Uh, all the way, going all the way back to 2012 is when, is when they first faced each other. Um, but yeah, just impressive over almost this for Lestien. Um, and what, what do you think of his season? Once again, I he's had sort of quality, quietly very good season, yeah, because it's based on a lot of quarterfinals and semis, uh, eight quarterfinals yeah. already at challenger level, I think. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. I think I'm right. But before uh, before Malaga, it was only one final, and he lost it in Sherbrooke. So that's why I think it was a little bit more quiet than it should have been. But still, he actually made a semi on all surfaces. Uh, he's well. The 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 big difference between his run in Malaga and the one in Pozoblanco was that in Malaga it was just 
absolutely wild. He probably should have lost to Donsko. He probably should have lost to Diaz. Uh, won four <laughs> matches in deciding sets. But then in Pozoblanco, he just crashed the whole field. And yeah, I just think it's really a reflection of how, how good he's been this year. He's never been this, this focused. He's never been this motivated. He's never been this healthy also because um, one of my friends was in Pozoblanco this week and he, he talked to some of these players like uh, Chalik B, like Lestien, uh, had some had some great stories to share. And well, Lestien was basically saying that uh, he never had a season when he was like healthy all year. And that's happening right now. So that that probably helps too. Um, yeah, nine points away, but currently in the live rankings, he's in the top 100. So he only really has to defend his spot. We have three yeah. players who haven't been in the top 100 yet, currently in the live rankings top 100. And this is Wolf, who's not, not playing because he lost in Atlanta. So he's actually likely going to be out. Uh, Lestien and Varias, who are playing this week. So it's really all in their hands. Uh, there's also Borges who could get there in, uh, with a good run in Segovia, by the way, but we'll get to that later. And uh, yeah, uh, Lestien just, just will pretty much surely get there because he only has that Alicante, I want to say, uh, challenger that he won, defend, uh, he, he, he defends it in October. So there's plenty, plenty of time for Lestien to, to get there. And, and rightfully so. This is a different case to Galan. As I said, this is more like Kachin, where we don't really know how Lestien will fare on the main tour, even though he's 30. Uh, I, I suspect he might be vulnerable to getting overpowered simply because his game relies on that uh, creativity, on leading the rallies in his own way, even though he doesn't have like a huge shot. His forehand can look big sometimes, I suppose. Uh, so, so I guess this isn't exactly going to cut it at the higher level, but still with the results that he's been getting this year, he absolutely deserves to, to be up there. Yeah, and as, as you said, in terms of the, the big ticket runs, he doesn't have anything to depend until October. Uh, throughout August, he's doing sort of like smaller, seven-point week, 15-point week. Uh, but I, I feel like that would be manageable for him uh, in, in the form that he's in right now. Mm -hmm. And I would be surprised if he if he doesn't break the top 100 next uh, next week. Uh, we can speak a bit about Bared now, uh, for whom it was the 10th challenger final, uh, third this season already. Uh, and he's lost his last five. Uh, his record in finals is three and seven, uh, which, is, which is sort of tough. Brings um, up 16 spots, number 176. On his run, he beat Mirza Basic in straight sets to start, uh, then dropped the set against Dana Dead, who came out of qualifying, uh, beat Jean Vier 6 2 6 4 in the quarters. Uh, Hugo Humbert, he defeated in two tie breaks in the semis, and then uh, lost to Lestien in this final. Uh, yeah, what did you think about it? Yeah, I, I liked how he was hitting on these uh, Pozoblanco courts. Obviously, the backhand is great when he's just timing it well. I I'm a bit surprised with how his season has gone because it's literally like making a challenger final, then a couple of decent weeks, then absolutely awful for a, for a few for like a month, and then he comes back to make another challenger challenger final, and this has literally repeated itself at this point. Even recently in the Bundesliga, he's lost to Maxim Chazal. I I mean. I don't know if we want to treat Bundesliga results seriously, but Shazal has, uh, yesterday actually, he lost to Roca Bataya 6-0, 6-0 in the Bundesliga. 
I guess there's been some double bagels there, like the Otte Alice one that we were, <laughs> we were so shocked by. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyhow, yeah, uh, Barrera obviously has more potential than he's been showing. Just hasn't been able to get it together for like a, a, an extended stretch this year. He's had the very, very nice peaks, like the, the French Open, uh, Aix-en-Provence and Bordeaux. Um, earlier in the year, the, the indoor season, but then just randomly drops out of form. And well, if if the pattern is to repeat itself, then he's going to have a couple of good weeks right now. So <laughs> maybe he can keep climbing. Yeah, no, it, it is really weird the, the way that he, he has a run and cannot win a match to save his life. It's, <laughs> it's quite puzzling. And it probably explains why he's so low down in the rankings despite having... Uh, three finals and then yeah. he was at second round of the of the French Open this season. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can find more consistency later on, but I probably wouldn't count on it. Um, we can go to our semi-finalists. Uh, let's start with Hugo Humbert, uh, who was my pick for the for the title. I was feeling good about him. Too. Yeah. Uh, he began by beating Daily Blanche, uh, who might be Ulysses Blanche's brother. I'm, I'm yeah, not he sure. is. He is. Blanche yes. has like three yeah. brothers. Dali is the is the uh, best out of them, but I think they all play tennis. Yeah, uh, then he had a tough match against Paul Job, 7 uh, 6 in the third. He beat him, then he maybe Emilio Navas, 6 2 6 4, before losing to Barrera. Uh, he got his first challenger win since January 2020 in Bendigo. I think it was a couple of events that he, he lost first round at uh, since then. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of going back this week? Yeah, I also thought you were getting a point. Uh, by the way, just let me correct myself. Dali, uh, Dali and Darwin are Ulysses Blanche's brothers. And there's also a sister, Crystal. I thought it was three brothers. Uh -huh. And they apparently all play tennis, but uh, I don't think we've seen much of Darwin Blanche or Crystal Blanche uh, yet. Uh, not going to check now you know, on their ages. Let's not waste that much time. But Dali is, yeah, Dali is just not a challenger player yet. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, he, he was just a very easy opponent for Umber. I honestly thought if anyone's beating Umber, it was Jab or Lestien. Uh, Jab got very close and Barrer just that that I didn't see coming. Obviously, Umber has the quality to win these challengers. He did insanely well when you look back at his results in 2018-19. Six, six titles and three finals in like, I don't know, 15 months or whatever it was. And he is capable of doing that again, definitely. It's it's really just been a matter of confidence with him. Also, the backhand doesn't seem to be working that that well. It was definitely the the issue in the in the Barrer semi. But yeah, I also believe that you were getting a point. And the but the performance against Nava especially was was pretty insane. So some good signs, and Segovia will again be a good be a good chance for for Umber to get some form going. Mm -hmm. Uh, our uh, Daniel Masur, uh, who started with uh, with the wild match against uh, Sanchez Sanchez Jover, lost the first at two six, but came back to win six four in the third. Uh, in the second round, he beat Hugo Granier six two six four. Then Alejandro Moro Canas in the quarterfinals seven six seven six before losing to Lestien. Uh, yeah, what did you think? Yeah, feels like this is already another pretty deep run that he's made obviously he had that uh, lost in Amersfoort to Andreev but a semi recently a quarter I mean he's not really threatening to win these events in Todi he lost to Kiker who then uh, then you know, who, who wasn't the favorite in the final against Kachin whatsoever here 
uh, whoever he would play in the semis, I feel like he would lose. But still, it's um, it's probably the most consistent Daniel Masur has been at getting deep runs uh, ever. He his his challenger titles have been sort of random, randomly placed. Uh, I mean, the 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 only ones who were the you know were taken last year, Ekenta and Biela, but uh, they they were also like proceed proceeded and then uh, successed by some uh, poorer runs. I think. Well, maybe Ekenta was around the Bari final as well, but most of the time he's just not really doing, you know, not really getting into the deeper stages of the events that consistently yeah uh i mean he's back in the top 200 after after a couple of months out um and yeah he, he's, he's certainly showing more consistency that we're, that we're used to seeing from him uh also alejandro moro canas yeah. uh who took out your pick for the title to start in, in Pozo blanco out of chile be like seven six six three uh, then also be Kuznets of 6-4-6 love before losing to Masur. Uh, yeah, 21 years old. What did you think of Kanas? Morokanas? Yeah, it's Morokanas, I think, because there's the Morokanas. yeah, there's the, the there's the thing over the end. <laughs> yeah, but anyhow, we haven't seen much of him, I think, since um, the Madrid qual- Madrid qualifying, where he made all these headlines by be- by beating Franz Rundolo, now a major champion, and losing pushing Musetti, also now a main tour champion <laughs> just in the in, in recent weeks but he's won at 25k since then he made a final in another one uh really elite sort of defending but closer to the baseline uh i liked how he was how he was doing that uh certainly plenty of potential their serve looked quite dangerous which is i think a part of his game that we didn't really see on clay i mean it was there but it didn't do that much damage here it was it was pretty important uh, the forehand got some very nice penetration as well. I, I yeah, really enjoyed this run, and this this certainly is a guy that we should be following more in in upcoming weeks, in upcoming months. Breaks the top three hundred as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we sh- we can go to doubles, I think, yeah. in Pozo Blanco, uh, where we had all uh, four seeds in the semifinals, but it would be Dan Aded and Albano Olivetti, the second seeds, who would come out on top with the title. 3-6-6-1-12-2 over top seeds Vlad Victor Cornea and Luis David Martinez. Uh, Aded and Olivetti, uh, they've sort of played a couple of times this season. They were quite regular together, though, in 2019, playing a lot of uh, ITFs, winning five titles together. Uh, but, yeah, certainly great to see them reuniting. Um, yeah, let's go over to Nur Sultan where we had Roman Safiulin win the title, beating Denis Yevseyev 2-6-6-4-7-6 in the final. His second challenger title moves up 32 spots, number 119, his new career high ranking. Uh, on his run, he beat Hong, Ayeni, Locke, and Popko. Uh, he was sort of, after dropping that set against Hong, he was quite dominant uh, in his run until he went into Yevseyev in the, in the final, who, who pushed him quite a bit. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Sutherland? Yeah, he's obviously a, a cut above the field. Uh, who was even the second seed? Because I can't remember now. Ah, Jay Clark. Okay, so maybe Clark. maybe not yeah. not not against the whole field, but Clark retired in the in the opening round. Uh, other than that, Sutherland just really had the edge. But yeah, after he lost the set to Hong, I wasn't confident in him at all. Uh, he hadn't played since Stuttgart, which I think was was probably the reason why he was so rusty in the beginning. 
but then definitely the, the, the win against Popko was just very, very telling of how Safirin can use these faster hard courts to be very dominant against players who are more, more, more like defenders. And then UFCAF seemed like a pretty similar mold to Popko in that regard, but Safirin still struggled a lot in that final. He just didn't play that cleanly. And he actually, well, you could say that he should have lost it because he was 3-4, 15-40 down on return in the third, and he was saved by an absolutely dead netcourt. Um, well, if if EFCF was 5-3 up, what would have happened? You can't know that, but Safiulin won the game and the match. Uh, it also felt like EFCF wasn't really ready mentally to win the title after that. So it's possible that if he had the 5-3 lead, he would have choked anyway. Uh, but still, that that was really uh, very fortunate for Safiulin, who will also get like very close to the top 100 right now, but still like a one good run away, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it will definitely take some, take some, take a little more uh, for Safiulin. As for Yevsev, though, uh, age 29, his first challenger final, only his second final in his career. Uh, he moves up 72 spots, number 269. His run was tough, uh, starting with a 6-4 win in the third against uh, Kachmazo, which I watched, very entertaining match. Uh, then came back from a set down against Kalowski to win 6-4 in the third against the Camps, uh, who beat my pick, Kukush, uh, in the round before against the Camps in the quarters. Once again, 6-4 in the third. Uh, he finally got his first straight set win over David Jukaev uh, in the semis. But yeah, came close uh, in the final against Safiulin, but not quite there. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Yevsev this week? Yeah, I think he has a lot, a bit more. Uh, I, I started saying a lot, but that was definitely a slip. I think he has a bit more quality than he's been showing. He's been a sort of this, this fringe ITF challenger player for the past three years. As you said, only one semi, I think like Danang three years ago or something like that. Uh, so definitely not a very high quality challenger as well. This was this run was certainly a little. I mean, it, it was generated because of the weaker field in Nur Sultan, sure. But he's a pretty decent. Like, I don't know if you can call him a counter puncher. Probably. I mean, he he defends pretty well. He's just uh, th that solid sort of guy who won't break the top 200, but could certainly uh, make runs in events like that. And it's great that it happened for him, even at the age of 29. Although, if if it's great, I mean. When he's not fixing, he, he has some potential. Yeah, let's let's say that. But obviously, there, there is that issue. There is that issue. Yeah, let's not forget. Yeah. Uh, as for aesthetic finalists, let's start with the, with the bigger story. The wild card, uh, Baby Zhukaev, made it all the way to the semifinals. Uh, he beat Shintaro Imai in the first round in straight sets, then 7-6 in the third against Daniel Sugerman. Uh, then uh, a match that was match of the week for, for a little while uh, of, of this week. He beat Istomin 6-7-7-6-7-6 with a crazy 12-10 tiebreaker in the in that middle set. Uh, but yeah, then didn't have enough to challenge EFCF. Uh Yeah, so sort of one of the more rare, like actually Kazakh players from Kazakhstan as opposed to a, a Russian import, I think, I'm pretty sure. Uh, 
I yeah. can double check. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he is he is actually Kazakh, and the same for ECF mm-hmm. actually. Uh, Popko was born in Russia, but I heard something yeah. that somewhere that he has like Kazakh ancestry. So I think all oh, three okay. of these of these Kazakh players, I I didn't check that myself. So with Popko, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. But EFCF and Zhukayev are definitely Kazakh, like born yeah. born in Kazakhstan. Um, yeah, Zhukayev was just recently in a 25k final on the very same courts, and mm-hmm. he lost to Fomin in the in the final, beating EFCF in the opening round. But yep. you could you could totally see how he did it because the courts honestly play pretty fast. He just has a massive serve. The, the baseline game could be improved, <laughs> but mm-hmm. he certainly has some some arguments and isn't as random of a challenger wildcard, uh, a Kazakh challenger wildcard as I thought he was. He also beat Gunes Varan in that 25 pay, so that's uh, another uh, very very impressive win. Uh, just. Just didn't manage to to get through FCF this time, but certainly someone that it, at least in the Kazakh challengers will be looking at in the future because he's yeah he's just not a random wildcard as we thought he was, and he finally forced me to learn that it's baby Zhukayev, not Belbit, which was a struggle for me uh, throughout last year or and, and this year. Yeah, and, and he breaks the top 400. Uh, it was his first time to ever go past the second round of a challenger, uh, so to go all the way to the semi. That's a great result for him. Uh, quickly, we can go on Popko, uh, who beat Ruben Stadium. Uh, then Yankee RL, Yevgeny Donskoy, uh, in, in a season where he's really been struggling. This, this was quite big for him. His first uh, semi final since September in, in Lisbon last season. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Popko here? Yeah, he's had an absolutely awful season. So, <laughs> uh, pretty cool. Again, if we forget that he's fixing, it's pretty cool that. <laughs> Uh, that, that he made a, a good run here because it will certainly help his confidence. The Donsko win is actually, I mean, with the season that Popko has had, it's it's pretty good for him. Like that's that, that should give him some fire for 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 next weeks. Yeah, and quickly on doubles, we had Jisingnam uh, and Ming Kyu Song uh, win the title. The second seeds their first title together since August 29, uh, and they beat Andrew and David Poliak. Uh, in the final. Okay, so Tampere now then? Yes, let's go to Tampere, where you got a point uh, to reduce my lead here. Jean Borpiroš uh, beating Harold Mayo 6-2-1-6-6-4 in the third set. His first challenger title after two lost finals. Up 26 spots, number 139. It was a... a it, it, <laughs> Leon. Obviously, Elborg was, wasn't too difficult, but he got really pushed by Sorrentino, Piroz did, uh, all the way to having to save a match point. Uh, I believe that second set tiebreaker was uh, like like 12-10. Yeah, it was 3-6, 7-6, 6-2 for Piroz. Uh, but he followed it up with a very solid performance against Matere in the quarters, uh, got a retirement from Nicoli in the in the end of the third set in the semis. And then had this final. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Piroz this week? Yeah, certainly not the cleanest challenger title I've seen with the Sorrentino win, which was just mm. absurd. Six one in the up in the, uh, I think he was even serving for the second set, then six one up in the tiebreak, almost lost it. Had this one match point where he well should have smashed, but was afraid, and then almost lost the point because of that. Just just got that a, is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, just, just got a very good counter at Sorrentino's feet and then he didn't handle it well, like he, he shanked the ball. Uh, but the, the Martyr win was certainly 
the impressive one. He was doing really well to just make Maxi uncomfortable. I think it was a really uh, like tactically sound uh, performance. Then Locoli retired and definitely got the easier final opponent with Mayo. Still was a struggle. Uh, another time, well, we, we saw another medical timeout for his back, which is quite worrying mm -hmm. because this was the, the issue that, that forced him to retire in the split final three months ago. Three months ago. And obviously, Piroz has been just tormented with injuries all his career. Uh, part of why his uh, his rise is happening is that he's finally been more or less healthy for a longer period. But well, maybe maybe not really, maybe not fully fit. But still, he got that title. Uh, there was also like in the in the Borg match, someone sent me a video on. Uh, two service games that Pirosh lost one in the third uh, one at the beginning of the first set and the second one at the beginning of the second which were very wild like he was didn't really seem to invest it in them he was playing like drop shots that landed before the net uh <laughs> see, seemed like uh just you know small uh i don't know how to call it like fixing games uh but I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just um, worth pointing out, even though obviously, as as usual, there's no, there's not going to be any evidence. There's not going to be anything. So, uh, yeah, but just you know to keep it in mind. But still, phenomenal week for him. It's been uh, a long time coming, especially because of these Bratislava and split finals. Obviously, massive progress since the summer of 2021. Added a lot more pop to his game, especially the forehand serve. And yeah, basically the reason why he hasn't pushed on since his junior days was the lack of weaponry. And that issue is not fully fixed, but it's more or less, well, it's it's much better right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as you sort of said, uh, not not the cleanest run, but the Marta win was, was, was great. It, it, really, it really sort of showcased the, the, how good he can be when he is fully fit, fully focused. Yeah, th th those board games, I don't know if, if it's a fix, maybe, maybe it's just this lack of focus that that, that there is from players sometimes. Uh, but yeah, bizarre either way. Um, as for Harold Mayo, he started back in qualifying, uh, beating Irovasa uh, before coming back from a 6-1 loss set to beat Boki, 6-3 uh, in the third. Uh, then he got to beat Erovasa, 6-4, 6-4. Uh, so got, got to beat both of both the Vasa brothers. Uh, then beat Dominguez in the second round, uh, win over Cells, 6-2 in the third, uh, beat Jorman Losserundo, 6-1 in the third, in the semifinals before losing to uh, Pirosh. Uh, yeah, what, what did you think of Mayo this week as he sort of approaches the top 300? Yeah, I mean, I don't think his game has improved much or anything. His, his weight of shot is still a little bit, well, too little to, to to really make it as a as a regular contender in the challenger tour, I think. But obviously he's a very good like just ball striker. The, the backhand is great. In the Serendola match, he was sort of saved by uh by a rain delay, which was very timely in the second set. And then Juan Manuel had just um had some physical issues. I can't remember if it was like abdomen or or something like that, but he just was never really back to his to his real self after the, the rain delay. Perhaps also the more hum more, you know, the heavier conditions also didn't suit him that well. 
it's it's not really um it's not really how, what Serdolo likes to play in. So I think that that win and this run as a whole was a little bit random. Uh, also uh, an, an interesting like relation that both finalists were uh, former Australian Open boys singles champions, uh, Pirosh from 2017 yeah. and Mayo 2020. Yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, let's talk about our semifinalists that we had. Uh, Serundolo reaching the first semifinal of the season for him uh, in a it's it still is a losing season for him. 11 to 12. Uh, it's it's been a tougher time, but he beat Midler. Lorenzo Giusto, Ferreira Silva, all in straight sets uh, before losing this this Mayo match. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Serundo this week? And do you feel like this is a week that he can sort of, uh, you know, it's it, the season starts here and 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 turn turn his summer around? Yeah, if he's healthy, then then sure. But yeah, he he's actually made the quarterfinals or better in his last three challengers, but got mm-hmm. injured in the in the Musetti quarter in Forni. So it's really just been a very big struggle to you know to stay healthy, and I wasn't even I didn't even realize how like maybe not bad because again it's just been about injuries but how little he he's won this year, and and it's yeah. really if if he if it doesn't improve in the next months then he's gonna fall off a cliff in the rankings, and yeah we'll we'll, we'll just see how his fitness is because obviously he's got the quality to be in the in the top 100 alongside of his brother uh, if he was if he was just fully fit then that he probably would would be uh but yeah right now it just doesn't seem to to possible if he if he's not going to start getting some results yeah i mean he, he will have a, a difficult difficult autumn uh when, when he, if, if he decides to go back to south america which we sort of presume that he will uh, to go play on the clay there, those, those will be some tough, uh, tough tournaments that he will have to get points at, or he risks dropping in the rankings. The other semifinalist was uh, sort of fascinating, Lorad Locoli, uh, who I feel like I've been aware of him for years, ever since he put Martin Klee in the French Open, and he didn't shake his hand afterwards oh, yeah. right, in this 6-8 uh, loss or something in the, in the fifth. Um, but yeah, here he was dropping sets in, in every single match that he played on this run to the semi, starting against Artur Fils, who he beat 6-2 in the third, then uh, coming back, back from a set down as well against Tirante, 6-2 in the third, and then against Gerald Meltzer, which, which what I thought was a very good match, 7-5 uh, in the third, uh, but obviously he sort of ran out of uh, steam in that semifinal. It's the second career challenger semifinal, and the first one was back in Meknes, in September 2013, uh, is absolutely huge for locally. Uh, yeah, what did you think? Of, what did you think of him this week? Yeah, like, like we I think mentioned in previous weeks, I I expected the game to be a little bit more explosive with how he was destroying ITFs this year. It's not. It's probably going to just take him to uh, I don't know, a top 175 or something, and then sort of stop at some level. Uh, it, it's a pretty different comparison. Like I, I, I thought recently of these guys like Litu, Agamemnone, Locoli, these ITF risers at later stages at the, of you know at pretty late stages of their careers. And uh, as much as Agamemnone has really been able to stick around, Locoli and Litu, especially Litu, they they can't really 
they can't really do that. I think I, I just don't think they, they have the games to really. And it's it's a cool run for Lokoli, of course, but I I don't think he was beating Pirosh anyway. Obviously retired there, so so we can't really can't really say for sure. Magnus Challenger 2013. Yeah, I'm just looking at that, and apparently he also beat Gareth Meltzer in the quarterfinals there. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's fun. I, I I didn't notice that a little bit, but yeah, absolutely huge gap between uh, his his two best results in the Challenger Tour. So he must um, have been anybody... very very young, by the way. Like he was, well, yeah, he, he, he was nineteen, I think. Yeah, when, nineteen when or yeah. even eighteen. When when is Magnus Challenger? He was actually September, not even nineteen. Yeah. yeah, not even nineteen. Oh well. Yeah, I mean, he he was very talented. That's why I remember him from from that French Open, mm-hmm. not just because he played Klijan. Uh, please remember a lot of, a lot of guys that I don't remember the matches of, uh, but I remember there, there being a little bit of this hype. Uh, I, I, oh God, this is so stupid. I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but I remember there was this, uh, like, you know, how, how their kids stay at Roland Garo and he did this, uh, dance battle against Gael Monfils, uh, which mm-hmm. he, he lost quite horribly. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recall some videos from that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. I think we could go over to the doubles, unless there's somebody else you want to talk about. No, not really. Yeah. Uh, in the doubles, it was Edler and Meadler winning their second title season up to number five in the in the challenger race. They beat Karol Trzewiecki and Patrick Niklas Salmin in 7-6-6-1. Uh, started with a bye, but didn't drop a single set. Also against Chandrasekhar and Prasant. And Neukrist and Weisborn. Uh, yeah, impressive run from Edler Midler. And we can go to the, the crowning jewel, the cherry, the cherry on top that we had this week in Indianapolis, where Yiping Wu beat Alexander Kovacevic 6 7, 7 6, 6 3, the tiebreakers. Uh, Kovacevic won 12 10 in the first. Yiping Wu saved six championship points. Uh, in the second set, winning the second set, they 15 to 13. There were some very tricky calls oh, yeah. uh, at, 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 at match points for, for Kavacevic that didn't go his way. Uh, but what an absolute cracker of a final. This will be a strong contender for, for match of the year uh, when, when we do that at the end of the season. But that was incredible for Yibingu, his fourth challenger title, back-to-back weeks uh, of, of a title, up 59 spots to number 174, breaking the first time in his career. We had question marks around him, around his fitness after after winning the Rome title. He's had retirements this season. But uh, yeah, he didn't drop a set going going to the final, beating Hadi Habib. Peter Goyovchik, 6-4-6-2. That was, that was an impressive performance. Uh, Ribakov in the in the quarters. Uchiyama in the semis. Uh, yeah, wow. What a final and what a week for me being Wu. Uh, yeah, talk about it. Yeah, even though he was, uh, even though he was uh, coming off a, a title, he actually kind of outlasted Kovacevic physically in that final. Sort of, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's more, maybe it was more connected to the mental wear that, that Alex had on him. Uh, very I mean, he, he, he definitely had some cramping in in that in the left leg Kovacevic. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, the, the the serve dropped off for him as well he had 25 aces after two sets only had one in the third yeah one one um, ace in the third yeah also I also looked at yeah. that yeah it, it's pretty normal that that when you're uh, a little down physically that the serve just you know 10 10 kilometers per hour just go away from it 
Um, yeah, yeah I, I. It's not like Wu was in good physical shape either. I mean, he he was definitely a little <laughs> slow even in, at the beginning of the match, but he still somehow got there. Yeah, you mentioned these these line calls. Uh, if if someone didn't watch the final, one of them was a forehand winner that uh, Kovacevic just let it, you know, let it flow by him, uh, let, let it fly by him, and yeah, that, that, that would look long. It for was sure. a, yeah, it looked long from the stream. Obviously, we can't really tell. And the other one was a mm. second serve. That yeah, also looked six, long. Seven. Yeah, it also yeah. looked long. Uh, honestly, who knows? But there, there, there were definitely two match points. Kovacevic could have done more on. Uh, one of them was like a second serve return backhand that he just, he didn't want to play it aggressively. He just played it passively and just, uh, it, it went long. It just didn't have anything on it. And there was also a serve plus one forehand error that was just a little to lose. It wasn't like a sitter or anything, but if it, if he made it, it would have most likely uh, gave him a, an easier shot to follow. Uh, still, um, the final was crazy. Wu actually looked a bit better to me in Indianapolis than in Rome because I think the the, the faster indoor courts compared to, to Rome, Georgia, Sweden a little bit more. But the final was, yeah, I, mean, I don't really understand how he won it, how he won that. <laughs> uh, 30 and 4 for the year and still only yeah. that one completed loss to Kubler. He's basically only wow. losing via retirement. Uh, not one, uh, as you said, number uh, he breaks the top 175. The crazy thing is that at the even at the beginning of like, uh, what was it, the, the end of April, like a week before the end of April, he still had one ATP point and he was ranked like a thousand, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred, something like this. And right now he has 301 already. And yeah, and as, as we talked about last week, he's just keep ascend. He he's just going to keep ascending, and it's really hard to see how he doesn't break the top 100 until like next spring, probably even faster. Uh, and that's all really well if health permits, because that's been a big issue, yeah. of course, with Wu. Uh, and one more one more thing that I just randomly noticed, I didn't remember that, but in 2017 when he won the U.S. Open Juniors. He actually, you know, the Shanghai challenger that he won was a week after. That's pretty crazy to, to win the <laughs> wow. win the US Open Juniors and then a challenger just, just the week after. Uh, but yeah, so apparently he wasn't all that bad in back-to-back weeks also in, at the beginning. <laughs> of his but it was really like the, the last good run that you think we had, you know? Mm-hmm. He only got yeah. to 298 with a challenger title. So it's it's really it was really maybe not along the lines of Fomin or Prihotko. Prihotko actually was the runner-up, right, right in, in Antalya. But I mean, it, it's not it wasn't really that random. But still, he he didn't really have many good runs back then. But I guess it was still injury related because when you when you watch this guy now, you're like, how how did he not <laughs> break through <laughs> earlier? And obviously, he had that free year long hiatus then. And and yeah, right now is just killing the tour absolutely. Yeah, I I listened to his uh, short podcast that mm-hmm. he did with with Mike Cation after after that win. Obviously, it was only ten minutes, uh, but yeah, absolutely stunning. He talked about he, he talked about how much it meant for him to sort of have this uh, same week with with Xi Jinping. They're very good friends. Uh, mm-hmm. Now them sort of breaking through together, it's it's quite special for him. Uh, yeah, he also talked about uh, pulling out of Lexington, so so he will have two weeks off now. Um, yeah, absolutely stunning. I really hope he stays healthy. I really hope that he can uh, have have a run at the slam and sort of really really show himself off to a more mainstream audience because we we love him. He's he's absolutely incredible. 
Uh, yeah, let's let's also talk about Kovacevic. <laughs> a wild, wild match for his first challenger final. Uh, despite the loss, he was up to 42 spots, number 227. Uh, beating Kozlov in a, in a very fun first round. That was, that was quite great. 6-4 in the third. Uh, then he had straight sets wins over Shimabukuro, Kepfer in the quarterfinals, Ben Shelton in the semis, uh, getting his revenge from, from Rome quarters. And then this this wild match of, a, of, of an Indianapolis final. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Kovacevic? Yeah, he got to beat... Uh, I mean, he got to play both of these guys who... Uh, who were in the final in Rome? Uh, both were kind of tired already, but I don't think that's you know, that that's the only reason Kovacevic was so close to winning the title. Obviously, he's got a lot of potential and he's playing well. Just hasn't really been able to get the the floor to be at a at a decent level, but very high ceiling. I, I loved how in the final he used the the slice, even though he yeah. lost that much. Yeah, it was it was really just so important in making Wu uncomfortable and and bailing himself out of tough positions because the you know the, the Kovacevic backhand as beautiful as it looks it's often a liability but if he can get that slice maybe this is this is an idea to to make that floor go up maybe this is the idea to have a nicer plan b and yeah th- th- this was a very encouraging week uh not 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 quite there yet in the top 200 but i think he's got a very serious case for us open for a us open major wildcard now uh yeah. like the, it's it's really possible it, not only because of the wildcard challenge which i think he'd be leading in right now i'm not really sure like where to find the rules for that it's it's a little bit like there's probably some usta site or something but i i, I haven't read that, that that deep into it uh, but even disregarding the the wildcard challenge that they have there, I think he's got a pretty pretty serious chance. Yeah, uh, let's talk about our semifinalists a little bit. Uh, we had Uchiyama make the semis, second week in the <laughs> struggling uh, for for most of the year to to sort of get a deeper run. Although uh, I mean he, he hit the quarters in, in Little Rock, but uh, yeah, two two big semis for him for sure. Beating Ramanathan, uh, then Billy Harris in the second round, uh, big win over K- uh, Chris Eubanks, six four in the third. Uh, yeah, any thoughts? Yeah, it was a bit of a similar case as in Rome, where Uchiyama got to the semis and played pretty well. But then he, even though he led Wu by a lot in the opening set, it, it really felt like it was only because Wu was already you know, a little low on fuel. Uh, but in both in both semis, he didn't really threaten either Wu or, or Shelton, right? Because it was Shelton who, mm-hmm. yeah, it was Shelton yeah. whom he whom he lost to in in, in Rome. So yeah, he, he just never really threatened to win the title, but seemed to be like the, the best of the second tier players in Rome and Indianapolis, that's for sure. Yeah, and speaking of Shelton, he got to break the top 300 with the semifinal run that he had as a special exempt. Uh, began by beating Rinki Jikata, then got a little lucky with, with the retirement from Van Rijtoven. I, 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 he, he, he lost the first set there. Uh, then he beat Max Purcell in the quarters before Lindy Kovacevic. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Shelton? Another superb week. Uh, very excited to see him play in Atlanta, where he's actually facing Ramanathan in the first round. So that's that's possible. That's that's very winnable. Ramanathan out of nowhere had a qualies campaign where he beat Draper, who apparently had physical issues again at the end of the third set. 
and also give, gave one game away to Kozlov, uh, which I guess is, is less less well surprising. But yeah, this was this was one of the chances that Kozlov will have to to get to a top 100 spot, and he's wasted that. And the, the points from American Hardcore Challengers will, will start dropping soon. Uh, but uh, never uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, Shelton will play some major events this year for sure already. Definitely the U.S. Open in Atlanta for now. And yeah, it just doesn't look like he's gonna be back in college, really. Like he, he just looks like he. It, yeah, it wouldn't should, give him much. Be. Yeah, even though his yeah. his dad is the is the coach of Florida Gators, I don't think he's he's also going to want to keep keep Ben there. Um, yeah, just a quick side sidebar. I'm looking at the Atlanta draw, and for half a second, I thought that they gave a wild card to Andre Martin. Oh yeah, uh, but it's, it's some guy called Andres. Uh, Andres Martin. He, he, he plays college for uh, Georgia Tech yeah. or something. Like this. Yeah, I yeah. thought so. Yeah, <laughs> for half a second, I was like Andre Martin. Yeah, I, when, when, I, when I saw it at first, I, I was I was also just kind of what? But then I remembered that there was this guy who just plays some ITFs in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about anybody else in the in the singles? Uh, no, probably not. We can. I think we can get going. Yeah, into the doubles before we talk about the final. Wow, wow, wow. Toshi Matsui and Kaito Uesugi made the semifinals. Uh, Matsui will be, you know, guaranteed ranked uh, for, for 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 another good while. Although he, he had some points earlier on, but they beat uh, Su and Pervolarakis and then Brauer and Jerez in straight sets before losing to Hachvedugo and Reese. Uh, yeah, Toshi Dematsui, 44 years old at this point, I believe. Yeah, yeah. wild. I think there have to be some older players in the, uh, in, in the doubles rankings, though, right? I mean, he, he's definitely the oldest uh, singles player. But I think yeah. in the doubles that there will be a few. Um, yeah, Maybe. I, don't know. I I will check that Maybe and you talk about things. who. You but, talk about yeah. who on the <laughs> Yes, speaking about the final, it was and Hunter Reese, who would go on to win 7-6, 3-6, 10-7. Two uh, really sort of solid guys. They they played together a week before in Newport and lost first round. And I believe that was the first time that they've played uh, outside of that. Um, their run, uh, they beat Basavara then Kwako and Eubanks, 10-7 in the, in the third, beat Matsui and Wesugi. And defeated Raja Sharan in the in the final. Raja Sharan, uh, as as we sort of talk about, they used to be a more regular uh, pairing, and it was their first final together since May 2017 in Bordeaux. Uh, right? Did you find any older doubles guys? Yes, apparently uh, Matsui is like the. I think we can count him as the second oldest because there there are a couple of uh, 47 year olds, probably brothers, probably twins. Alejandro Gutierrez de la Maza and Borja Gutierrez de la Maza, but they're 47 and they only have three points uh, from one tournament. So uh, probably they'll be out of the rankings soon. There's Jonathan Erlich, who's going to be the oldest, yeah. but yeah. he's, well, he's not doing well this year, but still playing mm -hmm. a, a full schedule, 4 and 14 for the season, actually, but still playing a, a rather full schedule. And there's also Robert Lindstedt, whom I think is just coaching Kudla right now. I don't think he's playing. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah I think it's fair to say that Matsui is the second oldest player in the rankings. I actually thought there were some some guys who were like 46, but I, I'm assuming that they dropped when the when the freeze points because they're like almost mm -hmm. already gone. So I think I think the freeze simply took them away. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Leander Pays is is unranked by this point. I think yeah. it's 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 been a while since since we've seen him. So he he was, he was the only one that I was sort of thinking of. Uh, Forty nine years old, but yeah, hasn't played since the end of twenty uh, twenty in the Davis Cup. Uh, right, let's go to match and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, maybe let's go with the match. I think I have to go with the final in Indianapolis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vukovacevic, just um, you know, the, the the sort of drama. I'm I'm in Warsaw right now, so I only have one screen, and I had to go back and forth between uh, Pozoblanco and Indianapolis at the very same time, trying to do some other work in the meantime. It was just absolutely crazy. And after the final, I just needed like a, a bit of a break because the, the, the drama was just, was just so intense. And, and yeah, that, that, I guess, I, I guess that's what we, what we love these events for, but uh, at the same time, it was very mentally tiring, but like in a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I have to go for the same. As I said, I originally wrote down Zhukaev over Istomin. I also thought about Kovacevic over Kozlov earlier in the week. But yeah, Kovacevic against Ibingu, absolute instant classic of a match. Uh, and yeah, as I said, I will be considering considering it strongly when we pick our, our matches of the, of the season. Uh, what did you go for with upset? Yeah, the, the, the bookies basically have two of them very high. One of them is Sorrentino over Virtanen on clay. I don't really buy that. And Harris over Wolf. And I think I will agree with that uh, with that one. Uh, even though Wolf actually seems like the, you know, the, maybe, maybe that's not true. Because I'm thinking that uh, usually on these very fast indoor courts, he actually doesn't seem that great. Like he, he likes to have some time on the ball at least. Mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, he he's coming from Ohio State. They they are playing in like you know, Columbus there, and and it's very fast. And he was obviously great in in college. Maybe 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 that's actually a stretch. But Wolf also seems to be playing through some injury. He he retired to Donald Young in Atlanta qualifying. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so maybe in hindsight, it's not as big an upset as it as it was. But still, Billy Harris, a player whom I. You know, don't think we'll be doing much damage at challenger level. Throwing out Wolf in in the first round of an American indoor challenger is is pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Billy Harris has, has had a great couple of seasons here. Uh, I, I was with him in, in his match against uh, Yunqing Shang uh, in the in the final qualifying. I felt like both guys sort of deserved to go through, and in the yeah. end, they they did. That's but true. yeah, I certainly wasn't expecting him to to pull off this upset over JJ Wolf. Uh, so I also have to pick it for my upset of the week. Okay, matching All picks right. there. We'll see yes. if there's going yeah. to be matching picks <laughs> in the previews. Yeah. This time I've actually written out my picks. I'm, I'm almost unwilling to change on, okay. on pretty much all of them, but we'll we'll see. Uh, yeah, let's start in Zug um, in Switzerland on the clay, the 125 of the week that we have here. Uh, I just noticed that we have we had Pirosh uh, withdrew, uh, withdrawing, making perfect sense, uh, and, and it is due to the lower back uh, that's written as the yeah. reason. But let's get into the draw. With the top seed Mark Andrea Wessler facing Cedrima Sochtebe in the first round. Then we have Rodriguez uh, Tevena playing Damir Jumhur, uh, who's had a couple of weeks out after, after an injury. Arna Boldi plays Jerome Kim, who's in with a wild card. And Melijani Alves plays Blancano. And he's actually uh, written now as Melijani Alves, no longer Melijani Rodriguez Alves, which is, uh, is that yeah, new? more, more because, pleasant. I mean... 
I, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure earlier in the earlier in the year he was still. It's possible. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Second quarter, we have an all Argentine derby. Facundo Mena, the fourth seed, playing Thiago Agustin Tirante. Uh, the winner of that plays uh, a winner of an all-Swiss derby between Alexander Richard and Kilian Feldbausch. Kovalik plays Sticker in a pretty high-quality match. Uh, the winner of that then plays Mats Morang or Harold Mayo, who's in with a special exempt. Uh, Kolash plays a qualifier and then Niklas or Kuzmanov. Uh, and then we have Jan Larstruf playing a qualifier and then one of two other qualifiers. Maguer plays a qualifier and then Fabiano or qualifier. Uh, then we have Juan Manuel Surundolo playing Denis Novak in a pretty big first uh, first round, uh, potentially sec- uh, setting up an even bigger second round against Marterer or another qualifier. In the qualifying, uh, we have guys like Ju- Justino is in here, uh, Vitanen, Neukrist, Duracevic, uh, Kopians, Ubis is still in with the chance. Uh, in the doubles, we have the top seats, Hidalgo and Rodriguez. Uh, we also have Matere and Morang. Denis Novak is playing with Jan Truf, Collage, and, and Pavlastic are teaming up. So it should be an interesting tournament all around. Uh, yeah, who do you like here in this draw? Yeah, not much in terms of the qualities, I think. I mean, there are some quality players, but neither of them really seems capable of winning or making a huge run here. Um, yeah, so someone looking at the main draw, pretty interesting. That's seven qualifiers slash lucky losers are in the bottom half and the, the yeah. top half we have you know, all written out. Uh, Richard Feldbausch, I'm excited for this one, but on clay, I think Richard should be too strong. Feldbausch has already made that huge upset over Wessler this year, uh, another Swiss, but this was indoors and probably slightly easier to, to make to make something like that in this in these conditions. Very excited to see how Jerome Kim will do as well, because in that uh, Italian challenger where he lost to Kachin, he showed some degrees to his, to his clay game that I think we haven't we haven't really seen before. There's not no not, no you know there aren't really many like strong favorites here. I'm really struggling to to go for something here because Wessler is just so inconsistent, even though he's been playing well, and the draw is pretty kind. I just don't really like picking Wessler to win weeks uh, if, if it's not altitude clay, of course. Uh, so I think I might just have to go for someone who, well, I don't know who he's going to play in the first or second round, but it should be pretty easy. And I am going to go with Anilaj Struf. I'm expecting you to do the same because, well, his form in Braunschweig was just insane. And if he can keep that going in Hamburg, he lost a very close one to Kachanov. Uh, yeah, so I think there's a very big chance that Struve does what he did in, in Braunschweig, which is to destroy the whole week, especially as the quarter looks, well, very simple, unless there's a dangerous qualifier. But as I said, I don't think there there is. I'm also going for Struve. I have written down here. Uh, love the section, really. Kuzmanov could be dangerous. I don't know. <laughs> Outside, of, he's, he's probably the biggest challenger that, that he has in this section. Uh, yeah, it, it could be anybody coming in. It could be Marterer or, or Serundolo uh, that, that in the semis, but it's he's definitely the most straightforward pick uh, out, of, out of this draw. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, we can go over to Segovia where our top seed is Nuno Borges playing Mirza Basic in the first round and then 
qualifier in the second round. Uh, Ugo Humber also in the same section playing a qualifier, and then Daniel Masur or Yevgeny Donskoy. Then we have Ugo Grenier facing off against Alejandro Morocanas. Uh, winner that play Nikola Kuhn or qualifier. Gregor Barrer plays Yevgeny Karlovsky and then Nicolas Alvarez Verona or Antoine Bellier. Dmitry Popko plays Michael Hertz and then special exempt Tennis Yevsev or wildcard Daniel Rincon. Paul Job and Emilio Nava face off in a pretty interesting first round. Uh, winner gets to play Fernando Vedasco or Hiroki Moria. Then we have Auto Celik Bilek here playing a qualifier and then Kuznetsov or Marchenko. Also in the section, Constantin Lestien could set up another rematch with Antoine Escoffier if Escoffier beats Julio Cesar Porras. In the qualifying, uh, we had a pretty big upset. Well, yeah, at least I felt yeah. like it was an upset when I was watching it. Lesham beating Kasper first round. Uh, so now he's an opportunity to advance. Uh, Canidas Hefer uh, is also in here. Uh, guys like Gabriel de Camps, who who took out my pick Kukushkin uh, last week. Nur Sultan Kachmazov is here. Uh, Istomin Eupovic, Penez Meseras, some names, but nobody really challenging for the title, we don't think. Uh, doubles is a little bit weaker than I sort of expected here. Uh, we have Kade and, and Matuszewski teaming up to be the top seeds. Uh, Margaro Jimenez Maceras are here. The Vance uh, brothers, Cervantes and Roca Bataya are here. Shelly Bilek and Popko. But going back to the main draw, who do you like there? Kade and, Mat- and Matuszewski being top seeds is, is certainly quite quite strange, especially as I, I know that... Uh, but Piotr had a lot of uh, issues, like just finding uh, a partner where where they would be guaranteed to get into uh, doubles without like with with only their doubles rankings, like to, to find a mm-hmm. doubles specialist uh, partner. And here he is with mm-hmm. Arjun Kade, and they're the top seeds in in Segovia. Wow, uh, I guess I guess it's not going to be that that great uh, a doubles field. Yeah, I think I have to go with Ugo Uber. He was pretty pretty good in Pozoblanco. Good enough for me to think that he has a good chance of cleaning up this week as well. Obviously, again, the, the quality is there. It's just whether he uses it. Uh, I also think that you will be picking Uber as well. As in terms of the, the other like matches that you really want to see, Grenier Morocanias. That should be play- very interesting, even though Grenier picked up his form recently. Morocanias is certainly capable of an upset there. It's absolutely wild to me that Denis Cfcaf is uh, like you know he he made the final in Nur Sultan and he can pick up a special exempt into a much stronger challenger event and then he gets Daniel Rincon, uh, but but Rincon <laughs> actually seems to be doing some damage in in ITFs. He I think he won one recently. Even though I don't think his game is is, is challenger level, it doesn't really have the the weapons. Uh, he's probably going to do pretty well here. Yeah, he won one over Cells, which was a very, very impressive win. Actually, he won two ITFs in a row even. Uh, then then was in the final of the third, but lost to that shell by guy, that, that the guy from Jordan who was who's been doing a lot of uh, impacts somehow. And he I think he's he's playing college, but definitely the first player from Jordan that I've ever heard of. Uh, Jab Nava, as you said, a fantastic first round. And Julio Cesar Porras is also coming back here after that run he had in Segovia in 2021. I saw some websites have issues with him because he well, he represented Spain when he was playing in Segovia last year, and now he's playing for Argentina. Uh, so the results yeah. uh, sometimes don't don't really 
Yeah, like even when he played Segovia, I think we talked about the fact that he was some, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he was noted as Argentinian, sometimes he was not as Spanish. Spanish, mm-hmm. uh, but he he's apparently playing for Argentina now, and he played a bit of ITFs this year. The best result was a semi this month, uh, beat Ryan Niboer or uh, Montes de la Torre. I mean, yeah, should should be pretty decent, but nothing along the lines of the. Moria win was it, and then the, the yeah, set yeah. he took then, of Lopez, yeah, 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 that's uh, what it was. Yeah, he, he he's written a Spanish in the draw, so so it's so it's interesting. Really? Um, yeah, right now, yeah. oh, okay. as, as I see it right now, yeah. Um, oh, all right, I, I don't know then. Uh, yeah, then then again, <laughs> I I mean, some, sometimes he's Spanish, sometimes he's Argentinian, but apparently, uh, apparently, yeah. Apparently, yeah, you're right. In the in the draw, he's a Spanish. He's Spanish. So so yeah. Uh, forget mm-hmm. what I forget what I said, sort of. And yeah, and I'm, I'm not going for Lestien just because I don't really trust him in back to back weeks. Chadik Bilek is a solid option as well, I think, even though he lost to Morocanias. But yeah, Afi Umber is is definitely the my pick. Yeah, Umber is also who I have written down here, but I'm I'm tempted to change it to Chelik Bilek or Lestien, but I think I will just stick it out here and and, and match with you again. Uh, so yeah, Ugo Umber for me as well. Yeah, and I just checked that Julio Cesar Porras is representing Argentina on the ATP website, so I have no idea who to trust the the PDF with the draw or the ATP website. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really matter, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah, every time we can go over to San Benedetto del Tronto, where we have this bizarre situation we'll talk about in a second, but so so far for the main draw, the top seed here is Andrea Pellegrino playing Yellow Cells, uh, and then Salvatore Caruso or a qualifier. Also in the section, Renzo Olivo plays Alexei Vatucin and Mattia Bellucci plays Timofei Skatov. Then we have Francesco Passaro champion last week uh, coming in, uh, playing a qualifier, and then Jonas Foretek or Andrea Vavasori. Nerman Fatih playing a qualifier, and then Andrea Cuiarini or Thiago Sebos Wild. Third section, Mateus Pucinelli de Almeida plays a qualifier, and then Francesco Maestrelli or another qualifier. Chile Marco Ferrari plays Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo, and then Nicolas Kiker or Matteo Arnaldi. Alessandro Genesi plays a qualifier and then Federico Ferreira Silva or another qualifier. Luciano Daderi, the second seed, plays Matteo Gigante and then Lucas Rosso or Fabian Marojan. In the qualifying, uh, here's the bizarre situation that we talked about. Camilo Gucarabe is <laughs> in qualifying who would have signed up in time for the main draw. I assume that's what the issue was there. Uh, he, he won his first round 6 2 6 2 against Francesco Villardo. And we'll play Manuel Matza. Um, other guys in the qualifying, there's not much there. Chepeliev is there playing uh, Mikhail Verbinski. Uh, Raul Brancacci is there. Pedro Boscatin Diaz, João Dominguez, that sort of level of the field. Uh, in the doubles, we have the Sabanov uh, brothers uh, coming together. Passaro is playing doubles with Arnaldi. Uh, Marojan and Rosol are playing each other and also playing together in the, in the doubles there. Uh, Ugo Karabe is also coming back to doubles with Seiboshfield. Uh, Dustin Brown and Andrea Bavasori are the second seeds. Uh, they should be strong uh, uh, contenders here. Uh, but yeah, swinging back around to the main draw. Uh, yeah, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think here there are three viable picks, like three picks that seem much better than the rest of the field. And I'm actually totally unsure of whom you're going to go for. As you said, Ugo Carabelli is 60. Well, right now it's it's already Monday, but by the time that the quality started, he was 60 spots uh, higher than Andrea Pellegrino. Yeah which I've never heard of. I remember this year, right, Radu Albot being the fourth, like he would have been the fourth seed uh, in mm-hmm. in the main draw, if, but he was playing qualifying, but top seed and 60 spots higher is just insane. Uh, but yeah. the field in San Benedetto is really like more like a challenger 50 in terms of the rankings, uh, which which is also why, why that, that is the case, outside of Hugo Carabelli, of course. Yeah, and I think Hugo Carabelli is a very serious pick, but he just hasn't been that you know, he hasn't been that healthy recently. But probably the playing qualifying here is only going to help him uh, get back to form. I think Pellegrino is a very serious pick. Uh, it's time for a good run from him, <laughs> you could kind of say, uh, because he also seems to have that uh, that random run every every once in a while. But I think I'm just going to go with Passaro. I don't really like going for players with back-to-back weeks. But yeah, he's just too good for this field. And he has a very nice draw, which I think should kind of force him, maybe not force him, but convince him to play if if that's even uh, an idea that he had in his head. Foretek just hasn't been in good form. Vavasori is fairly dangerous. But I think if, if Passaro plays the way we know he can he's fully capable of going back to back here uh, i don't know how he's going to do physically that kind of remains to be seen um but yeah i'm just going with passaro just gonna go with the talent maybe talent is a stretch because there, there are a few like really talented players here as well but i'm just going to go with the the edge of quality right now compared to to possible fitness issues yeah, Passaro is somebody that I considered very uh, strongly, uh, but I have decided in the end to go for Francesco Maestrelli. Oh, uh, this, despite that six ones, uh, six two loss in the in the semis, I feel like it's a, it's a nice draw for him. Puccino Dalmeda has been a little bit trickier recently, but Kiket, uh, you know, plays well once every ten weeks uh, <laughs> or so. Uh, he's he's had a couple of these to recover. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about this. But yeah, my Australia, I'm, I'm going with here. Yeah, it's definitely a bit on the on the on the bolder side. When you were reading out the draw, I had this thought that my Australia isn't isn't a bad option. But then I just figured yeah, that you know he didn't have that much rest <laughs> from his Trieste yeah, run. Yes. And 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 yeah, in the in the section, I'm, I would actually be more afraid of Arnaldi than of Kicker, I think. Mm. Uh, but but it's it's yeah. certainly a, a a decent pick as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, for Ugo Carabelli, I, I also thought about him, of course, uh, since he's, you know, the highest ranked player in the, in the in the draw or possibly in the draw by far. Uh, but yeah, first tournament back from injury, I, I don't really want to pick him to go, to yeah. go all the way. Uh, and let's finish up in Winnipeg, uh, the cold, cold Canadian city. Where Liam Brody is the top seed playing a wild card, Jaden Weeks. Uh, he will then play one of the two qualifiers that face each other in the first round. Uh, then we have Tunglin Wu playing Brandon Holt and then Ulysses Blanche or Alexis Galarno. Second section, we have Michael Moog playing a qualifier, and Kihichikata playing a qualifier, Liam Draxel playing a qualifier, and Kaichi Uchida playing Roberto Kiroz. 
then we have uh, Guys Brower playing a qualifier. Uh, lead two plays Gabriel Diallo, so another opportunity for him to grab a, a second win after beating Pervolarakis uh, last week. Aiden McHugh plays a qualifier, and Vasek Pospisil plays Enzo Cuaco in what should be a, a big first round for, for this sort of level of draw that we have here. Uh, General Alberto Olivieri uh, plays Shintaro Mochizuki. Yasuteka Uchiyama plays Alex Ribakov. Nicolas Mejia plays Yuxiuxu. And Emilio Gomez plays Billy Harris in what should be, I, th- I think, a potential upset alert uh, with mm-hmm. Billy Harris. He will, you know, it, 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 he, he makes you play tricky balls, uh, for sure. Um, in qualifying, we have Kyle Edmund coming back, playing his first tournament since October 2020, I believe. He got a, 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 a buy, uh, as did almost everybody. This was a very empty qualifying draw. Uh, I, I was quite shocked to see see it especially in Canada which should have a you know plenty of tennis players who can make it out there uh so this was quite quite weird uh but he plays Hadi Habib uh for a spot in the main draw we also have guys like uh, Zachary Svaida here playing Nick Chappell uh Shima Bukuro plays Juan Carlos Aguilar um Govindananda is also in here as for the doubles we have Max Schner and JP Smith as the as the top seeds uh, Matsui and Wesugi are in here without a, a protected ranking this time, so so they got in directly. Uh, we also have Hijikata playing with with Seguin. Uh Drax and Galarno teaming up. Uh, Brandon Holt plays with Nick Monroe. Uh, yeah, some some interesting teams. Govindanda plays with Zachary Svaida as well. Uh, but yeah, going back to the singles. Uh, yeah, what do you think of this draw? Yeah, I think Canada. I mean, they have a lot of good talents, of course, but I think they they, they don't really have like the big depth. But still, you know, no. with, the, with this many buys, you you would expect that some juniors or or someone would would show up. Anybody, I th- yeah. I think it could be related to well, no, not in terms of the Canadians, but I think the the number of buys could be related to the testing rules because they have like this random yeah. test at the at at the point of arrival, and then you can face ten days of isolation. So. Uh, we'll see if that continues. Uh, are there any more Canadian events this year? I, I can't actually remember if, if there's anything on the schedule because right now it's going to be Chicago, Lexington. I think there might be something in the uh, Vancouver, right? In the in the week, August August 15th. Yeah, and Granby as well. Okay, so, so yeah, there, there's a couple more. We'll see if that's if that continues. Probably going to be a bit easier when, they're, when the events are, you know, in, at the same... Uh, well, right now, right after each other. Uh, anyhow, uh, let's let's look at the draw. I'm interested in how Jaden Weeks will play Brody. I think he was very unlucky with his draw at both Wimbledon and Roland Garros Juniors because at Wimbledon he got Politak in the second round, who obviously won the title, and at Roland Garros he got Bailey in the in the first round, who was the runner-up. Uh, to Gabriel De Bruyne, so uh, quite unlucky there, but still like a free, almost top 20 junior right now, uh, 17, I think. Uh, yeah, and the, the draw just seems very, very even. I It almost makes me just want to go for Liam Brody because he plays a junior in the first round and then qualifier in the second round. There are some dangerous qualifiers, though, that's for sure. Uh, we'll see if it's Hadi Habib or Kyle Edmund. It's really hard to hard to tell. I think for a first match, Habib is actually a pretty tough rival. There's definitely players in the qualifying where I think that 
Edmund would still beat, like regardless of his form after a year and a half. And Habib is, is not one of them. Uh, that's for sure. His Brower could be could be dangerous, of course. Pospisio played fairly well in Spain, but then again, it's uh, you know, um, I'm don't I don't really trust him to win five matches yet. And Quaco is a fairly decent, fairly tough opener as well. Um, first rounds like Olivieri or Mochizuki on hard courts are just really. Uh, I mean, Mochizuki obviously plays hard courts a lot, but his level just is that you know fringe challenger ITF thing. Uh, Harris Gomez, I agree that it could be an upset with how Gomez hasn't really been too impressive recently. Yeah, it's just really a, a really tough draw to to pick anything from. Uh, Mo could be a pick as well. I think I'm just gonna go with Liam Brody because I really don't have much of an idea on on what to go for here. Tungun Wu was great this year, of course. Yeah, I, I'm gonna stick with Brody, but uh, I think you could justify plenty of picks here. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I I did go with with Brody originally as well, but I'm going to change it uh, just because I feel like there's there are some other viable guys. I was actually looking a little bit at at Uchiyama uh, maybe out of, out of that fourth quarter, but Ribakov isn't the easiest first round. Yeah, it's not. It's, not. Um, it's a yeah. decent pick too. Yeah. I will be going with Vashek Pospisil instead. Uh, yeah, Koko has struggled a bit. He uh, retired. What was it? Two two weeks ago, or, or three weeks ago, or something. The the, the week that he won the, the the doubles after. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Post special. It's it's sort of the, the perfect uh, you know situation for him being being back home. Uh, the draw is is not the it's not the easiest. Aiden McHugh there, guys. Brower, but uh, yeah, I I will go with post special here. Fair enough. And I guess that's all for this week. We've covered it all. Uh, hopefully you had fun. We definitely did. And we're going to meet you guys next week to discuss Zook, Segovia, San Benedetto del Pronto, and Winnipeg. Uh, and yeah, thank you for listening. Bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 